Awesome. Okay, you guys ready to jump into the Word? Awesome. I'm going to try and keep it short today. We did have a bit of a blowout, so, which I'm good with. Let it be known that Holy Spirit is welcome to interrupt our service. This is God's church. It's not some hype fest. <laughs> I'm going to talk today a little bit about, the, the title of my message is called Teach Us How to Pray. Teach Us How to Pray. Now this is a massive topic, and I'm not going to have time to get into the different types of prayer. There's many different types of prayer. But if I could just boil it down and make it super simple so that a child could understand, prayer is conversation with God. It's that simple. It's not some ritual chant. It's not some kind of mantra that you read out of a book so that you know the right words to say. God doesn't want to hear your processed food language. He doesn't want to hear you repeating something that someone 300 years ago used to say to God. He wants to hear what's in your heart. Remember Jesus? He said, you know, there is coming a time when people will worship God on this mountain in spirit and in truth. Now that word spirit and truth, those two words spirit and truth, actually means if you break it down and boil in spirit and in truth to a very pure form, it means with everything you are, your whole being, not just like partially engaged, no, like loyally invested to the best of my ability, in spirit and in truth. So that's what God wants. God wants you in spirit and truth. He wants everything of you. As, because here's the thing. Every single one of us, as much as we wouldn't like to admit this on our Instagram culture, every one of us has a little bit of brokenness. Every one of us have areas in our lives that God is still working on. So none of us can turn around and say we're perfect. Now, in Christ we're perfect. Yes, agreed. The blood is, we have the righteousness of God, but that word sanctification, does anyone know what sanctification means? Sanctification is one of those uber spiritual words, but really what it looks like is the day that you got saved, the blood of Jesus came and touched you, and you were all the sin and the iniquity of your past. Iniquity is sins of the mind and the heart, but the sins that you've acted out, the iniquity that you've thought, was washed and you were justified. The righteousness of Christ came and touched you, and now when the Father looks at you, He sees the perfection of Jesus. However, there's this other word in the Bible called sanctification. And sanctification is basically, if I could boil it down and make it very simple, is the purifying process that will last a lifetime. Sanctification. It starts with the real big deal stuff, maybe like the cussing and the you know, uh, addictions and, um, you know, sins of the heart, sins of the mind, anger, rage, and then it starts going into like pride and things like that. It, it works, it starts out and it works its way in. Just because someone's been walking with the Lord a long time don't mean you're all that in a bag of chips. Because the circle just gets smaller and smaller. Is this okay? So like, th th there's this beautiful place where God's grace is there for us at the level we're at. And we just have to get to a place where we are willing to allow God to keep working on stuff. So sanctification is really the place where God is working things out in our life and we are working with God and slowly but surely there is a purifying and the toxicity is leaving. Well, the sin culture, the old nature is dying. 
Okay? So when it says, you know, we're going to worship God on this mountain in spirit and in truth, with everything we are to the best of our ability, that really looks like, and you have to deal with that in your own personal conscience. You have to say, God, with everything I am right now, to the best I know how. Now, some of us, we can look back, well, all of us should be able to look back over our lives and say, you know what, I'm definitely not where I want to be, but compared to five years ago, mm-hmm, I'm doing all right. Right? Because sanctification is working out in us. God is processing things through us where Holy Spirit's convicting us of things. Um, you know, as we fall, look, the best way to get free of sin is to fall in love with Jesus. Instead of you striving to be good enough and striving not to do certain things that trigger certain outcomes so that you look okay, we just fall in love with Jesus and stuff that used to hold us just start, like you turn around and it's like, oh, I don't even do that anymore. I don't even think like that anymore. That's, that's not who I am anymore. Wow. See, so, so that's, where, that's where we have to be really careful we don't start striving to be legalistic where we have to look a certain way because every person in this room is on a different journey track with God. And, and you know, I'm trying to sim- simplify this as much as I can because so many people try and feel really important by making this sound really sophisticated. But if that was Jesus' style, then the children would have never come and sat on his lap. So we're just trying to be intelligent like, you know, theologians and everything so that people will give us respect. Actually, God's wanting to simplify the Bible. He's wanting to simplify heaven. That's why he told parables so that whether you were the, the elite of the elite or a five-year-old child, you were connecting with the kingdom. So we need to simplify things instead of trying to be more sophisticated so that somehow we get extra props. Is this okay? I don't know about you, but some of us grew up in some messed up church. We don't need messed up church. We need simple gospel that's actually really deep. The, the, the more you look at it, the deeper it gets. Rather than like knocking out 75% of the room who are sitting there like going, oh wow, that was amazing and not having a clue what's being talked about. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the Greek, Hebrew, Mosaic law. Like down these rabbit warrens and everyone's like, okay. I, I, I understood and and the. And I, I was trying to fill in the gaps. <laughs> Jesus is a simplifying way to the Father, not a complicated one. I like that. I like that about Jesus. If, you, if you're trying to build a sophisticated ladder to get to God, you're following another Jesus. Okay. I hope you're enjoying church today. This might not be like, if you're visiting, this might not be like any other church that you've ever been to. Good. <laughs> really good. So, so something that I, I want to talk real simply about prayer, something that strikes me, and we're going to be reading out of the book of Luke today, but something that strikes me is that Jesus invited his disciples and the people that followed him into close proximity. And these guys saw amazing miracles and signs and wonders. I mean, these guys were watching Jesus walk on water. He's watching the dead raised. They're watching lepers get cleansed. They are seeing like little girls that were dead being raised back. They're seeing bread and fishes getting multiplied. They are seeing the gospel being preached different than they'd ever seen in any of the synagogues with all the legalistic Pharisees and scribes. You guys tracking me so far? They were seeing a power and authority. They saw water turn into wine. 
right? They were seeing demons come out of boys and, and people. They were seeing all of it. I mean, you know, back in the Torah, there's no book of deliverance. Jesus shows up and starts casting demons out. You haven't even had a prophetic school to deal with the demonic deliverance ministry. Jesus just starts showing up and doing stuff that you're not supposed to do. Touching lepers, touching hanging out with prostitutes. Not prostituting and hanging out with, like, having to change his lifestyle, by the way. Can I address that for a second? Not going to the bar and getting drunk so he can reach the drunks. What? Yeah, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. Not having to go get a Tinder account flirting so that he can reach the lost. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus never sinned. Oh, that was convicting. If it, if it convicts you, just work with it. So, so the thing that strikes me is that, you guys remember, actually, let's go to, I'm going to go to the book for a second, and then we'll start working through it. Come with me to the book of Luke. I'm going to keep this, this might be one of those miraculous sermons where it's like real short, but to the point. Because we've already had a message already. So let's, let's try and cut this down. So come with me to Luke chapter 10, please. Luke chapter 10. Actually, come to... We might change it up a little bit. Jesus is teaching all kinds of amazing things. Come to, come to Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus. Then, verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure, and to cure diseases. Then he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. This is just verse 9. to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Don't take a change of clothes, which is a little risky. And, and th this is where I'm going to start drilling down on here, guys. Jesus literally started to empower these guys, and he started to have them casting out demons, healing the sick, and preaching the gospel. True? Okay, let's go, to, let's go to chapter 10, verse 1. And after these things, the Lord also appointed 70 others also. So that makes 82. Hello? And sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. They were, they were the media advertising group. Right? Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Do you notice that God didn't say here, and this is a complete side note, notice he didn't say, hey guys, go and build yourself names and ministries. This is Jesus here. Well, how come I haven't got a ministry yet? Mm -hmm. How come your focus hasn't changed yet? Hello, are we good? Okay, so he appoints 70, and then now there's groups of two going everywhere. And they are preaching the gospel, they're casting out demons, right? And they start saying all these amazing things. Come down to verse 17. 10, 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Right? 
And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Caveat, nevertheless, but wait. More importantly, do not rejoice in this. See, the funny thing for us is that we put all the majors where God puts the minors. Well, I just wish I could have more authority over sickness and disease. Jesus does. You need to have more faith. (laughs) But that's not the goal of God. The goal of you looking like a successful Christian doesn't look like you getting a story of someone getting saved on the street so you can Facebook live it or Instagram live it or you, you know, getting someone healed so you can build your ministry and start to, you know, do a little Facebook campaign about how you grew a leg out. (laughs) Oh, he's destroying my whole idea of Jesus. No, I'm establishing it. It's just unfortunately we've been taught wrong and we've been taught that Jesus is a mechanism tool to establish us when actually we're the tool to establish him. Come on, somebody. There is so much messed up doctrine out there. People have become so selfish for how Jesus can benefit them as opposed to how we can serve Jesus. We need to come back to the heart of worship where it actually is all about him. Okay. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits, the demons, are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So the goal of God is intimacy, not power in you. Power is a byproduct. I don't seek God so that I can have, you know, power so that I can be seen to be walking in great authority and talking with heavenly wisdom and casting out demons and getting some sick healings on video so I can market it. I seek God so He can be my friend and I can be His friend. The power is a byproduct. It's not the goal. Unfortunately, see, guys like Simon the Sorcerer, he sees Peter walking down the street, walking in massive power. He sees Paul walking in amazing authority, casting out a a spirit out of a sorceress, a girl with like literally a, a divination oracle spirit where she's like, these men are servants of the Most High God. She was making all kinds of money because she was a slave. She was making all kinds of money for her masters. And then he's like, hey, you, out. She's like, (coughs) she gets, she's like, I can't say stuff anymore. So that's right, you're free. Welcome to the real world, right? But that's just, that's just the gun in the holster. That's just something we do. That's not who we are. Who we are is friends of God. And prayer is not a mantra chant that gives us the excuse to be accepted in the kingdom or to be tolerated in God's courtroom. Prayer is intimate discussion with God. It's a conversation between father and child. Or older brother and and younger, younger brother or younger daughter. Come on, someone getting this? Because we can see prayer as this really intense thing that we need to become a slave at. But Jesus didn't get you free so you could behave like a slave again. 
He didn't break chains so that you'd put more chains on yourself. He broke chains to put a new robe and new shoes and a new ring on your finger and to wipe that dirt off your face so that you could be family. You know, if my little boy, six years old, comes into the living room, he's like, Oh, Father, may I goest to the fridgeth and have a slice of cheeseth. I would look at him like, what? Right? He'd be like, Daddy, can I have some food? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, but not too much. I want to raise a champion, not a sumo wrestler. Is someone getting me today? See, the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of the time God talks to me. Now, God can be very serious and staunch. Yes, sometimes he's stern. That's good, though. That means I'm being a son. Because God is not a God of fuzzy, tickly cuddles all the time. It says that if you're without chastening and correction, you're not even family. Because God loves you too much to leave you in your broken state. He wants to call you higher. But in order for you to come higher, we've got to talk about some of the junk that we've been living with. Living below our purpose. Hello? Well, I just want to be left alone. Well, then you don't want a father. Ouch. So we've got to endure stuff like that. But on the other side, I'm going to tell you right now, God tells me better jokes than any person. He does. He busts me up. You see, that's why I've got no problems cracking some jokes. And it's not like I'm trying to be funny. It's just me being me. That's who I am. I'm not putting on an act to, to speak today. That's who I am. If you come hang out with me on Wednesday at 5.30 in the afternoon, I'll be behaving the same way. True. Yeah. Because we can be serious and have a lot of fun at the same time. See, so God doesn't want you being uncomfortable in His presence. He wants you being reverent but at home. So prayer is a conversation with a loving Father. And, you know, that can, that can look like many, many different applications. But the first application, before we go into striving warfare and intercession and buying our way into the kingdom with good works, the first thing we do is just be a friend. We talk to him about our feelings. Oh, and by the way, you can ask God how his day went too. How's your day going, God? Anyone ever thought about that? Do you imagine all the people that only ever ask God what, they, what he can do for them and not how he's doing? How about we get some compassion for God here? We can be so selfish in our conversation with God that all we ever do is be the narcissist that talks about us. I mean, this is a good heart check right now. Hey, God, how are you doing? Are you having a good day? And be ready for some honest answers. God's not going to give you the answer you want. He's going to give you the answer that's real. Well, I lied to you so that you'd feel better about me. God's not one of those people. He won't meet you at Starbucks either. Well, he might. He might, he might grace you out at Starbucks. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Some of, you, some of you are getting ready to leave the church. <laughs> but there's different forms of prayer, but I'm telling you right now that intimacy is the pillar. So let's stop using the word prayer for a minute and just start talking about relationship. How about we get up every morning and just talk to God about our day? How about we, when we go to the store, we ask God what color shirt he thinks we should wear? Apparently he wanted me in yellow today. 
what do you think, God? What do you think? Like, get used to saying that instead of, oh, God, I'm on my knees and it's on the concrete pavement, but I need to seek thy face. Now, 200 years ago, that might have been colloquial English, but it's not today. So you ain't going to get any extra points praying in the King James. (laughs) On this thy day, we seek thy holy face and have read thy holy writ. Like, that doesn't get you close to God. But, but if we seek God in spirit and in truth, it might look like, God, I'm really struggling today. And I love you, and I just love what you did in my life this week, but I've just found this news out, and I'm working on being in faith, but I'm asking you to come and strengthen my heart today. You see, and things start to become established in your hearts. And then sometimes what we do is we're too busy talking, and we don't stop to let him talk. We talk and then we run off to the next thing instead of just waiting for a minute. Be still. By the way, be still includes your lips and your tongue. I know that I'm God. And sometimes we just need to be quiet and let him speak back because he's always speaking. Do you think God just sits on the throne for millennia as an impersonal figure? Just gazing out into the galaxies with a stone look on his face and never talking. God's always talking. He's always creating. He always has the best idea and plan and instructions to maximize your life so that you're productive. To, to give you, remember it says that God always has a way of escape for those that are his. So when the devil's trying to mess with you, God has the perfect strategy. And a lot of the times we miss it because we're not listening. We're busy in fear, freaking out. We just need to stop and have a conversation with God. Now, once we've established a friendship conversation with God on a daily basis where we're talking and, you know, and let me pause what I'm saying for a second. Some of us are actually scared to do that because you've not heard God speak back to you and you're afraid that you're the one that he doesn't want to talk to. Feel that in the room. I'm telling somebody today, if you'll just make time for God, he's going to speak to you. And learning to hear his voice is a process. Sometimes we just need to give God opportunity and a chance to actually speak back to us. Like I remember I grew up in so much religion that I didn't know how to deal with it. But I, I remember I listened to way back in the day... I was in my 20s, so that's, that's a while back now. But I, I, I listened to this old Rodney Howard Brown. Um, I, think, I think they were tapes back then, actually. It was really old. So I, I listened to this, and I was like, God, I'm so hungry for you. I want to hear your voice, and it's the most important thing that matters to me. So I started fasting and praying, and like I was seeking God. I wasn't out on every social event that I could possibly get my name associated with. I was in my bedroom praying and calling out to God, and it took me about six months, but I started hearing God's voice. Because I believe that prayer is a conversation. It's not a one-way email. It's a thread, back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. And I, I was like, I haven't heard God, or I've heard a lot of people say they heard God, and I watched what they did as a result of them saying they heard God, and it was a train wreck. And then it's like, now they've got to explain, this is what, it, was God's, it was all God's plan along to destroy my life. And you're looking at them like, okay, I'm trying to believe for that one, but no, no, can't do that. And I just got so sick and tired of watching people destroying their lives 
saying that they'd heard God, but really it was just what they wanted to do and they called it God. See, sometimes when we're so emotionally attached to something, you actually can't hear God because you already made your mind up, so he's not going to override your will. That's why Jesus didn't come in, that's why the Father didn't come into the garden when, when Eve was reaching for the fruit. He didn't come and say, stop, don't eat that, don't, don't, don't. He let her have what she wanted. See, so we have to get to a place where we stop obsessively making up our mind on stuff and we're actually, God, what do you want? That's why Jesus was in the garden and he, had, he was sweating great drops of blood because he was controlling what he wanted, saying, no, I know what I want. It's okay to know what you want, but I'm not going to have just what I want. I want what God wants. Yeah. Nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. Yeah. You see, and so there's this whole process. There's this whole process where I just went through this thing and I started hearing God and I knew it was God. And he started really small. He didn't start with a thesis. Right? He started with yes and no. And I started to steward that yes and no. And I, I would go to him and say, is that you, God? And he'd, and he'd start to... And I wouldn't just go with the one yes. I'd get three or four of them. Because I really wanted to know that I was hearing God and then I really wanted to know what side of the yes and no he was talking to me on. See, so then it went from just petitions to conversation. And when you can shift from just petitions one way to conversation where God starts talking to you back, now you're in business. Because now you have a relationship. You know, you ever seen that one person, they're obsessed with that cute girl or that good-looking guy? And that's all it is. They're just obsessed. They're writing letters that never get sent. Hello? <laughs> they're like, he will be mine. Oh, yes. He will be mine. But like, that's just weird dreaming until that person starts talking back and that person's in the same space. Okay? Otherwise, it's just called stalking. Okay? Don't be a God stalker. Be a God talker. Woo! It's a little cheesy, but it worked. We might make some t-shirts for that one. I'm kidding. But my point is this, is that when you cross over from just shooting words up at the heavens and hoping that somehow God's connected with them, to crossing back to God's talking back to me. And I'm hearing God. Something in your spirit shifts. And a confidence comes into your heart that shifts everything. You start to really believe that you're a child of God. When you hear, even if it's just one yes, there's something in you where everything stops being an idea or theology and it starts being a relationship. And then from there, as you grow and you become stronger in the relationship, it goes from just yes and no to little sentences, and then it goes to whole paragraphs, and then it goes to huge dialogues. And then it can expound out from there where it's not just what you're hearing, you start seeing stuff in God's world too. Dreams and visions, encounters. You can have more. From that place, you can start... Now, I didn't wait until all that stuff happened, but you can start cross... Like I said, I don't have time to go into all the kinds of prayer. I'm going to land in just a second. And actually, I didn't even get to the point that I wanted to get to. Let's just let's, let's cross over here. So let's go over quickly to, to chapter 11, and I'm going to land with this. So I want you to see that the disciples had gone out. They had seen Jesus do a plethora of miracles. Now, we're in, verse, we're in chapter 11 right now, but it didn't stop here. 
the Bible actually tells us that Jesus did so many miracles, signs, and wonders. Like, for instance, remember Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20? It's the Great Commission, real famous. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that that's about a 30-second excerpt of a very large conversation? Because the guys didn't have enough scroll space to write that whole conversation down. They took the key points and wrote them down. Do you guys get this? I know this might be mind-blowing for some of you right now, but they didn't have, you know, 12,000 gigabytes to just, like, you know, transcribe everything Jesus said. They just wrote key moments down. Because if you go over to Matthew, you'll actually... Sorry, if you go over to uh, Mark or Luke, you'll see that the, that converse, in that conversation, they've got slightly different things that he said. It wasn't that they were conflicting, it's just that it was a very large conversation and they just took some key points out. Do you guys get that? That's where people try and dissect the Bible. They're, they're, Jesus didn't stand up for 30 seconds and say a couple of things and then sit back down. He had too much in him for that. He just, I mean, have you ever seen a preacher try and do a five-minute message? Point in case. So, so that, what we saw here was that up to this point, there's probably thousands, if not more, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of miracles. Because if you've got 5,000 men and maybe 15,000 women and children hanging out eating, eating loaves and fishes, don't think for a second there wasn't hundreds if not thousands healed in that one moment. So these guys have seen plethoras of miracles. Okay, They had watched crazy power being walked in by Jesus and now they were starting to get to steward it as well. This is why this scripture is very interesting to me. Come to Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of the disciples of his said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now this is the key point right here. And I'm going to try and close with this in the next three, four minutes, okay? If you've got disciples that are with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that are watching thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of miracles, like popcorn just exploding everywhere around them, where they are themselves casting out demons, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. They're seeing the dead raised. The one thing that they come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, that's an interesting thing. Of all the things, they could have come and said, Jesus, show us your Jedi skills. Show us like how to do the crazy stuff, Jesus right? Show us how to do the walking. They didn't say any of that. Why did they come to Jesus and say, Jesus teaches how to pray? Because they realized that his lifestyle of prayer was his secret key of power. And this is what us as the modern church needs to get a hold of, that his lifestyle of prayer was actually his source of power. Because Jesus came out later and he said, everything that you see me do, I've already seen the Father do. And everything I say, I've already heard Him say. What He was saying was, I've been into such a place of... Now, let's not even use the word prayer for a second. I've been up in the mountains before, while Peter was sleeping. Jesus said, the Bible says His habit was while they were sleeping, He'd be out praying. Now, praying doesn't mean like, Oh Lord, blessed is Thou, You are holy and have never sinned, and I love You with everything I am, but I don't really mean it, but I'm saying the right words. Amen. Right? That, that's, not, that's not prayer. 
Prayer might look like, good morning, Father. I welcome you into my day. How are you? I'm struggling in my heart today because of this, this, and this. I'm feeling condemned because of this, but I know your grace is sufficient over my life. I know your goodness and your love have overtaken me and you are for me. You see, what do you want to show me today? What is it that I need to know about today that I don't know yet that you need to show me? What is it that the enemy is trying to do that I need to pray into so that he, the, the enemy doesn't succeed today? Come on. And, see, and in that place, Jesus is just literally, it's more like he was sitting over a coffee just hanging out with the Father. And the Father started speaking things to him and showing him the future of that day. Because every day, you can see multiple examples in the Gospels. Jesus literally says, oh yeah, I've already seen all this happen. Like Nathaniel, he's like, I already saw you before you were sitting under the tree. And I'm calling you to be my disciple. And Nathaniel's like, what's going on? Jesus fully word acknowledging him. But he's not doing it on the spot. He's seen it in a place of intimacy with the Father. So instead of him haphazardly figuring out, is this God or is it not? God's showing him the life he should walk in advance before he gets there. And when he gets there, he knows what he's doing. Otherwise, what was Jesus saying in the Garden of Gethsemane? If it's possible, take this cup from me. What was he talking about? He'd already seen the future. Hello? Prayer is not chanting. Prayer is intimacy where God shows you things and you speak to him, where your weakness manifests and he strengthens your weakness, where he shows you your assignments for a given day in a moment. Come on. Where we go to God and we make our requests known. Yes, we do talk about our sin and all that kind of stuff as well. Real quickly, we're going to read what Jesus responded, and then I'm going to close. When you pray, say this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. That's what the word hallowed. It sounds too much like Halloween. Holy is your name. So what that does is immediately, Jesus is showing us a process to connect with God. Instead of saying, God, I need you, help me, I'm in a mess, it's literally coming and it's putting everything in the order that it should be. My Father in heaven. See, God's now on a throne, elevated above me, and I see him in his, in his powerful position, and I respect that. And it immediately causes me to check any pride where that miracle that happened yesterday has made me kind of awesome. It's like, no, I'm someone that you took compassion and mercy on, and I see you on the throne, and I humble myself before you. My Father in heaven, holy is your name. I worship you. I'm not unworthy. I'm just honoring you. Hello. Then it goes, watch this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, we're immediately from, from now we were honoring and, 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 and humbling ourselves. Now we're going a step further and now we're submitting. Your kingdom come, not my agenda. Now I can't make God do what I want because I've just told him what you want come to pass, God. What your will is, what your plan is, I submit to it even if it goes against what I want. Because a lot of the times what we want don't turn out too good, does it? And if you don't believe me, look at your own past. Remember those things you beg God for and then later on you beg God to take them away? <laughs> yeah, those things. <laughs> okay. On earth as it is in heaven. Not on earth as it, as it is for someone else. I don't need to be jealous of someone else's life. I want heaven to come into my world and I want my world to start looking like heaven. You want to get healing? You need on earth as it is in heaven because there's no sickness in healing in heaven. Hello? Okay. 
Then it goes on. See, a lot of us, we go either straight into God, forgive me for doing that terrible sin, or God, give me help. God, save me. But it doesn't actually look like that. It, it, there is a process here. Now, you don't need to chant the Lord's Prayer. You take this model and you actually learn the process. We humble ourselves. We honor Him. We submit to His authority. We, we call that heaven would come and God's will would align over our lives, not our will trying to make heaven bend. And then it shifts into, give us this day our daily bread. See, now we're asking for provision. Most people go to God and say, God, help me. Get me out of this mess. Give me the money. Help me pay my debts off, God. You're my rescuer. You are my rescuer. No, he wants to be your lover. Not just the, not just the sugar daddy that pays your bills off and your gambling addictions with sin. Come on. Give us this day our daily bread, and then it goes, and forgive us our sins. And then it goes a step further. As we forgive those that sin against us. Newsflash, God can't forgive your sins unless you've forgiven everyone that's ever sinned against you. If you are living in hatred and unforgiveness to anyone else, God, it's not that God won't, it's that He can't forgive your sins. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. So that's connected. That's not a separate, separate sentence. That's not some beautiful poetic progression. That is a connected. Forgive us our sins if we forgive those that sin against us. Okay. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So, so, Constantly, when we say lead us not into temptation, we're consciously acknowledging every day that there's temptation crouching, waiting for us. And God, I don't want to walk in temptation. I want to walk in freedom. Deliver, deliver me from the snares of the enemy that are trying to break me down, trying to pressure me, trying to destroy from me, trying to steal from me. Deliver me, God. I trust you. I'm not my own freedom. I'm not my own deliverer. You are. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can you guys see that? I would, I would encourage you, rather than being legalistic and ritualistic with that prayer template that Jesus gave us, that you would study that enough where you realize that each one of us can do that in our own personal language in a way where we are talking to God. God, help me forgive Sally. She just, there's no Sally's here, right? Just checking. Just checking. God, help me forgive Sally. She just really hurt my feelings the other day. And I know that as I do, God, you're going to help forgive all the stuff. You're going to forgive all the things in my heart that are wrong. And even the things that I don't even know I did wrong, God, I just pray you just come and wash me with your goodness and set me free. You see, so it just causes us to examine our hearts. Don't become religious and legalistic in your prayer. Become relational. So, so I just want you to see that out of every, the simplest point is out of everything the disciples saw, the one thing they said is, God, teach us how to pray, Jesus. Because we can see that is the, that's the spring in your, in your life that's causing everything else to work. So I just pray today that that would encourage you, that you would press further into personal prayer, not legalistic, religious, chanting, mantra prayer, that you would actually establish a relationship with God and not a legal system or a legal courtroom in your life with God. So let's just stand. Let's just stand. We're going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you love each one of us so much that you're for each one of us and that you really want to encourage each of us 
especially those of us that have struggled with condemnation and relationship issues, God, with you, that you would just encourage us to a place of intimacy, that we would just be prompted, Holy Spirit, that you would just help each person to walk through the process of stepping out and reaching, talking to you from our heart and waiting for you to talk back to us. I just pray that this message would burn into hearts, God, and that you would cause each one of us to be established in relationship and conversation with you that would strengthen and encourage our hearts like never before and cause us to walk as strong, bold sons and daughters of heaven. That we would prize relationship with you more than any miracle or any power that's manifested on our lives. And that we would always remember that we are to build your reputation, not our own. In Jesus' name. We love you, God. We bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen.